a real know-it-all? Do you annoy your family by shouting the answers while watching Jeopardy? Do you drive people crazy when you start a sentence with, well, actually? Well, guess what? You can go fact yourself. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Go Fact Yourself, the show where we quiz the smartest people we know and find out why they love what they love. I'm Helen Hong. And now, from the Carl Sagan and Andrian Theater at the Center for Inquiry West in Los Angeles, here's our moderator, J. Keith Van Stratton. Thank you so much. Thank you, Helen. Wonderful to see you. Nice to see you, J. Keith. Uh, now, some of our audience here will know, and I don't think our listeners will know, that uh, we were supposed to do the show uh, about 10 days ago. That's right. We had to reschedule. For a very obvious reason. Yeah. Being here in Southern California, mm-hmm. which was? A hurricane. That's right. A hurricane. <laughs> Well, the quake part was unexpected, but just a really lovely bonus from yeah. Mother Nature. Yeah, 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 but yeah. yeah, we actually had a had a, an honest-to-goodness uh, hurricane warning and, and thought it was best to reschedule the show. Now, Helen, you are uh, a homeowner, as we've discussed before. How was your home uh, in the hurricane? My home was fine, and I'm actually a little bit peeved because, the, the, you know, the, the local news made such a big deal. There's a hurricane. There's a hurricane coming to Southern California. The yeah. last time this happened, people died. And I was yeah. like, ah! So... I spent all day just putting stuff into the garage mm-hmm. that could slam into my house and break the windows or something. Mm. And then nothing happened. Yeah. And I was so annoyed that I spent all that time just putting stuff into the garage. I was like, I was putting paint cans, which probably should have been in the yeah, garage. Yeah, that sounds Let's like paint cans it. belong in a garage. Yeah, probably should yeah. have been in the garage. But yeah. they were sitting in my driveway and I was like, you know, maybe now's the time to put yeah. these paint cans. And uh, did you take that stuff out and put it back where it's supposed to no, be outside? It's no, all still, still in the garage. In the garage yeah. And, uh, you know, my lawn chairs are in the garage and things just, that you know, they live there now. Yeah. That's where they live. Well, you know what it sounds like to me? It sounds like you're prepared for the next hurricane. Yes. I don't have to move anything because I <laughs> didn't move anything after the last one. Very good. Yes. I'm, I'm the same way with packing. <laughs> I have I have my suitcase ready to go from the last trip I took. <laughs> Hopefully the climate is the same. Well, ladies and gentlemen, today on Go Fact Yourself, two guests will compete to answer questions about facts they know, facts they may not know, and frankly, facts they should know. Plus, we'll meet actual experts on two very different topics. And finally, we'll declare one of our guests the winner of today's show. Let's get started and meet today's guest. Helen, who is up first? He is an actor, environmental advocate, and author of the upcoming memoir, To the Temple of Tranquility. And step on it! It's Ed Begley Jr. Ed Begley Jr. <laughs> Excellent. Hi, Ed. Good to see you. Great to see you. Thank you so much for Welcome. being here. Hi, Thank Helen. you for coming. Uh, now, Ed, uh, you of course are a supporter of the strike of, of SAG after yes, against yes. the uh, motion picture and television uh, folks. So we're not going to be discussing any of your amazing TV and film work by name, but I will mention, of course, that uh, you've received up to this point seven Emmy nominations. Seven, a lucky work. seven. Oh. Always a bridesmaid, never a bride, of now, course. Have not, now, would you rather have fewer nominations but a win? I'd rather have six more nominations. Just to be included in that list is a big deal. Okay, very I nice. I don't need to win. I'm not that... Oh, yes, of course I want to win. Of course you want to win. <laughs> I'm very bitter about it. Who am I trying to kid? Well, I appreciate your being honest and Thank forthright. You. Yeah. Uh, well, the good news is that we have so much more uh, to talk about with Ed Bigley Jr. Aside from your TV and film career, uh, you've got this incredible line of cleaning products. You've got all the stuff you've done for the environment over the years. And you have a book. Uh, this is a pre-publication copy called To the Temple of Tranquility and Step on It. And look at that young buck on the uh, cover. See? So I was young once. I had hair and a career. <laughs> 
<laughs> and now you're here. Um, you. <laughs> now, what? Now, this, of course, is a memoir of uh, your time uh, in show business. What motivated wanting to write a memoir at this point? It started innocently enough. I thought I'd write a few things down for my kids and my grandkids. I have mm-hmm. a 20-year-old grandson now and a 15-year-old granddaughter and a two-year-old grandson. So I thought I'd write some things down about my father, about myself, what we did for a living. And pretty soon I had 45 pages and I went... I'm not turning this over to anybody. I want to write it all myself. You know? <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a pretty long Christmas card to send. Exactly. Yeah. I gave it to a, a couple of agents, and one really liked it a lot. And so we went and got a nice publisher. Hachette is a lovely publishing Yeah, group. very big. And so I really matched up nicely with them. They're very good people. Excellent. Well, you talk about a lot of celebrity encounters that you have uh, yes, in the book. Yes, a good many. And, yeah, and uh, you know, it goes from Marlon Brando to Annette Bening, you know, all, all these incredible uh, actors. But I was a little surprised uh, that there's some stories in here about the Beatles. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about that? I worshipped the Beatles as most people of my era did. You know, I was born in 1949, so I was 13 years old when they really came of age in the States and uh, overseas a lot too. That, about that 62, 63 is when they really took off. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I had occasion, I met the wonderful, and got to be great friends with the wonderful Harry Nilsson. Anybody remember sure, Harry? Thank you, please. Great songwriter, great singer, Nilsson Schmilson, great albums, what a great voice and a great guy. And so he and I hung out and he was very good friends with the Beatles as well, with all four of them. And so I wound up meeting one at a time, all of them, and got to know and be friendly with... I still go to Ringo's birthday every year when he has it, so... You do? How lucky am I? Come on, who are we kidding? Seriously? This is a joke. Yeah, before I was thinking, I don't know if this guy's lucky with his seven Emmy nominations and his 50-year career in show business, but... Ringo's yeah. birthday and then George party. Har- George Harrison was a dedicated environmentalist, quite, you know, hmm. vocal about the environment, a great guy, and I went one night with Harry Nilsson. He said, let's go join some friends for dinner. I said, sure, we get out of the car at uh, the Dakota. I went... Can't be, can it? No, it wouldn't be those two friends he's talking about. We go up the elevator and then open the door. Hello, come on in. Good to see you. Yoko, this is Ed. Hello. What? I'm just trying to keep my face from cracking, crystallizing, and falling onto the floor. (laughs) Yeah. They couldn't have been nicer, and we had a lovely macrobiotic meal that Yoko had made. No help was on hand. They just, it was all two people, and then wonderful Harry and Una Nilsson, his wonderful wife, and me. And I just was in heaven meeting John. <laughs> uh, last thing I want to ask you about, uh, another part of television history that you've been a part of that is not part of the SAG strike uh, are game shows. Um, and uh, I actually first became aware of you by watching you on shows like Body Language and Pyramid and stuff Love like that. Love those shows. Yeah. Oh, boy. Uh, what do you remember about working on those shows? And specifically, uh, what is the experience like to help regular people win money? I just like to win. I w- was happy that the people would, you know earn some money from it, but I just like games. I love games, and mm-hmm. Betty White loved games, and oh, yeah. we were great friends. She was a wonderful lady. And The Pyramid was a show I just watched that and thought, is it possible I could one day be on as a contestant, a celebrity? That's not even remotely possible. Yeah, a pyramid, anything. I just yeah. wanted to be on any pyramid show, and I yeah. got on and did it probably 10, 10 or 12 times, I think I did it. And how did you do? I did pretty good. I, did I ever get somebody the final... Pyramid. I'm not sure about that. I should know that, and I don't remember. But I got into the pyramid, you into know, the circle, the winter the, circle there, yeah, the, the circle, several times. You know, probably about six or seven times. I think I did. But it was great, great fun. Excellent. We hope tonight's game show experience will be great, great fun as well. It's a great pleasure to welcome Ed Begley Jr. Everyone. Thank you. Thank you for remembering. Thank you. Helen, against whom will Ed be competing? She's an actor, writer, and YouTube star with over four and a half million subscribers and over a billion views. It's Glozell. Glozell, everyone. Glozell. 
Hello, Glozelle. We have some fans here for you as well. Glozelle. Is you okay out there? Is you okay out there? She wants to know. Glozelle, welcome. It's so nice to meet you. Nice to and meet have, you. Have you here? Nice uh, to meet you. Oh, what a pleasure. <laughs> Is there a better shade of lipstick out there? Please tell me. That's, that's <laughs> everything gorgeous on my right here. <laughs> Dear diary, today was a special day. <laughs> I don't think I need to do this interview. We can just let Ed and Glozell go. This is wonderful. Uh, Glozell, you came out and you asked our audience, is you okay? That's yes. become a catchphrase of yours. It's yes. the name of a book that you wrote. Uh, yes. where, where did that catchphrase come from and what does that mean to you? Well, I am a fan of television and I used to watch Friends. Mm -hmm. And there's this character called Joey. And he would say, you know, how you doing? Yeah. How you doing? <laughs> And so I'm like, I would do stand up and I'll come out. I'm like, how you doing? How you doing? I was thinking that it was the throwback to Friends. Yeah. However, there was a talk show host that started and her name was Wendy Williams. And sure. she's like, yeah. <laughs> And I'm like, oh, everybody's going to think that I took it from her. Right. You know, because I look more like her than Joey. You know? So <laughs> Just a I was little like, bit. oh, okay. So I was trying things out. How are you doing? Uh, are you okay? Mm -hmm. Is everything all right? Is you okay? And that one stuck in paper. Ah! <laughs> and I'm like, oh, okay, I'll, I'll keep that one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you've come to be known as the queen of YouTube. Part yes. of the ascension uh, to that throne uh, were these challenge videos that you did. Uh, the most famous of which has gotten, I think, over like 50 million views at this point is the Cinnamon Challenge. Some people were familiar with that, where somebody, yes, of course. Oh, I wish I could see y'all. Yeah, it's a little, little blinding up here. But uh, for those who aren't familiar, uh, it was a challenge where people would take a, a tiny spoonful of cinnamon to see if that they could <laughs> swallow it without uh, and, and see what would happen. Apparently much harder than it sounds yes. or seems. Now, you took a different route. Uh, tell us what you did. Okay, so uh, the cinnamon challenge was the first video I did that I, it wasn't my idea. Mm -hmm. I never did any other people's ideas, but mm -hmm. they, they, people were like, you need to do the cinnamon challenge. I'm like, so in the beginning, I do this long thing like, what's so challenging about cinnamon? It makes yeah. no sense. Like... You know, so I'm like, well, I'll just take a later. I'll just do more. Yeah. That, yeah. that seemed smart to me yeah, at the time. Right. And not a so, teaspoon, not a tablespoon. No, I, I took a ladle. A, honest to goodness a ladle. ladle. A whole yes. ladle. A ladle. So I poured the ladle in. I'm like, okay, so what's so challenging? Okay. you. And then I'm like, oh, I see what's so challenging. <laughs> uh, at that moment where everything in my mouth is on fire, my eyes about to come out of my head. Yet I'm like, I'm going to upload. This was an epic fail, mm -hmm. you know. Uh, however, and then it went 1 million, 2 million, 3 million, 4 million, wow. 5, 6, 7, 8, 9. And on my channel, other people took it and went to millions there. Yeah, and yeah, they yeah. played overseas, you know. So I'm like, my voice still has not been the same. <laughs> <laughs> that video and others like it led yes. to some amazing opportunities. I yes. can't imagine one cooler than being uh, invited to talk with President Obama at the White House. Right. Uh, oh, hey, thank you for people really happy about that. <laughs> yes. how, how do you prepare for something like that? You, you don't. I think because when I got the call, I was just like, <laughs> like, oh, you thought it was a joke. You you hung up. No, right like away. it took them yeah. several times because mm -hmm. why would the president? <laughs> of the United States at the time want me to come to the White House and act yeah. a fool? Like, what? That's what I do. You know? <laughs> what, what am I coming to the White House for? So they, they go over like, do not touch him. I'm, I'm like, okay. I got do not. I'm not going to touch him. Why would I touch him? I'm not going to touch him. Okay. So he's like, hello. I was like, ah! <laughs> and then Air I'm like, oh, they're going to kill me. Because yeah. I, I, I go, but they can't, they can't shoot me now because I'm actually hugging them right now. <laughs> so all of this is going through my mind, and I've got him in this like grip, and he's like, uh, 
Uh, let go of me, Glozell. I'm like, oh, he knows my name. And, <laughs> and, I, and I was just terrible. I was just like, like, just petrified here. And then I'm like, I peeled myself off. I'm like, oh, okay. And he's like, okay. And then we did the interview. And I was like, I'm going to give him some green lipstick. This is going to be amazing. Yes, that was a trademark of yours at the time. Yes, yeah. yes. So I'm like, here's some green lipstick. And he goes like this. And I'm like, and for our listening audience, he, he grabs your oh, hand. Oh, yeah, yeah, he grabs my hand. And I'm like, oh, no, he doesn't know the rules. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm scared. I'm like, oh. And I go, this is for your first wife. <laughs> <laughs> and he goes, uh, is there something you know that I don't? I was like, no. <laughs> but up until then, I'm like, I'm Barbara Walter in this interview. Mm-hmm. I was killing it. Yeah. And then, wah, wah, wah. And that's what went viral on um I was on CNN, Good Morning America, <laughs> she said he got another wife, and I don't know. <laughs> well, I, I had so many more questions, but I, I'm, I, I'm sitting here in awe of everything you just said. Uh, pretty, pretty great story, yeah. Thank you. Thank you, thank you. Uh, well, Glozel, if there's anything you'd like to give me, I can pretty much promise you will not be attacked for it. So. Oh, my goodness. Uh, but you grace us tonight with your presence. Thank you for being here. Thank Glozel, you. everybody. What a game we're going to have. All right, Ed and Glozell, we asked each of you to provide us with a few topics outside your field of work that you know and love. Ed, you said that for you that was electric vehicles, surprise, surprise, U.S. geography, and the movie Midnight Run. What a good movie, huh? Whereas Glozell, sure. Whereas Glozell, you said that you know and love the TV show The Love Boat, Mm. the Alanis Morissette album Jagged Little Pill, Mm. yeah. And looking for a cowboy. Yes, 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 yes. I'm surprised that wasn't one of yours, Ed, but nevertheless, we move on. Later on, we're going to ask each of you some in-depth trivia questions about one of those topics. But first, we're going to get your thoughts on something you might know nothing about. It is time to split some hairs with our What's the Difference round. We'll have one question for each of you, each worth up to two points. If either of you gives an incorrect or incomplete answer, the other person has a chance to steal. Your topic today, Do You Read Me?, First up in Do You Read Me is Ed. Ed, your question comes from a listener. Who is it, Helen? I will let them tell you themselves because we have a listener recording. Listeners, if you'd like to submit a suggestion for our What's the Difference round, go to gofactorpod.com and click on Get Involved. Okay, play it. Hey, everyone. Hi, Jake, Keith, Helen, and guests. My name is Ben Holland from Mountain View, California. This is Chris Baldy from Glasgow in Scotland. My, My question, question for What's, what's the, the Difference is... While they both help you read text. What's the difference between a typeface? And a font. Love the show. Thanks. Love the show. Thanks and bye. A font would be like 10-point Hel- Helvetica or something, That 10-point being the size, mm-hmm. Times, Ro- Times Roman, mm-hmm. Sans-Serif. Uh, oh, boy, I'm trying to think of... Now, a typeface. Mm-hmm. Let me think of what about a typeface is. Okay. A typeface is just a... The size on a normal typewriter, uh-huh. and then a font is something you could print up with movable type okay. or other forms of like computer-generated uh, graphics. All right, very good. Uh, we've got Ed's answer. Yes, very convincing. It's not re- remotely correct, but go ahead. <laughs> That's all right. <laughs> That's right. You're, you're a veteran performer, and you performed that with confidence. Thank you. We appreciate that. All right, we've got Ed's answer. We don't know yet if he's entirely correct. Glozell, uh, anything you'd like to change or add to Ed's answer? Oh, a, a type... Face. Mm-hmm. 
um, if I'm, you know, because we live in California, so a lot of this happens, is when uh, you get this like a type of Botox. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I think you might have heard tight, tight face, face instead oh. of type. T Y P E face. Well, you can change your type of face. I guess you can. You can change your type of face. There you go. Yeah. Whereas a font? A font uh, from, you know, a derivative of a fontis. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> it's, it's a type of something that you, you make cupcakes with. <laughs> you make cupcakes with yes, the font. Yes, uh, with the font. You have to have the right the, uh, font. The font. <laughs> the font. Yes, a font. A beignet you get yeah. from the font. See, a thank font. you. Help me out. All right, well. <laughs> the, font terrible. This segment is going straight to Helvetica. Let's go to Helen. <laughs> Very nice. Thank well you. Let's played. go to Helen Hong at the judges' table for the facts. Here are the facts. A typeface refers to the specific design of characters, mostly letters and numbers. Examples of common typefaces include Times New Roman, Papyrus, and God Help Us Comic Sans. Even though people refer to those as fonts, they're actually typefaces because a font refers to the ways to vary the typeface. Variations like bold, italics, or increasing or decreasing the size. Yes, that's right. Now, from typography, typeface literally refers to the face of the type. The type being a physical block of type with its face being the part of the block that has the raised letter that takes the ink for printing. Now, the opposite side of the block is its feet and in between is called the body. But I respect it for its mind. Helen, how did our guest do? <laughs> Ed, you were sort of in the ballpark. Mm, okay, I mean, you've been very generous. You were maybe... He, he did use some big words. You were maybe in the parking lot. Yeah, exactly. You were in the parking lot. Around. That was about it. Yeah, that was good. You were in the parking lot of the stadium. Okay. Um, but nobody used a typewriter. So I'm going to give you half a point. Half a point for Ed. Very yeah. nice. Okay. Woo! Half a point Helvetica. Yeah, half point Helvetica. That's a very, very small... <laughs> font or type. All right, up next in Do You Read Me is Glozell. Glozell, while both are pretty important, if you want to read something, what's the difference between something being legible and readable? Legible and readable. Okay, <laughs> so if it's readable, mm-hmm. then you can look at it and you can read it. Mm-hmm. If it's legible, mm-hmm. you might not be able to read it. Because? Because of, like, it, it being in cursive and stuff. Ah, got it. And you might not read cursive because we're not learning that anymore. Right. Right. A, a, a striking commentary on the state of our education system today. Th- that part. Unfortunately, yeah. that you is not You don't even have the right anymore. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Uh, all right. We've got Glozell's answer. We don't know yet if she is entirely correct. Anything you'd like to change or add, Ed? Legible is something where you can just make out the letters and, mm-hmm. you know, form a word from that if you can... But you can't make out, the, if something was illegible, you couldn't mm-hmm. make out the letters. Readable would say that it's, it has a pleasant rhythm to it. It has mm-hmm. a nice, it reads well. You know, the grammar is correct or mm-hmm. it's captivating or things, some of those qualities about the, the, the way that it might uh, communicate with a person. But legible is really just, uh, you know, can you make out the, the characters to can see? You make out the characters? He used yeah. his hands, though. He was using his hands. That is not against That's the rules. I, oh, okay. Yeah, no, this is. <laughs> I'm cheating at every turn, and you're seeing it all go down. <laughs> this isn't password, Glossel. You can't use your hands. Uh, all right, well, I can read the room and know this segment needs to be shelved. Let's go to Helen Hong at the judges' table for the facts. Here are the facts. Legible refers to individual characters and means that one can be distinguished from another. If I create a typeface that allows readers to tell what's an E and what's an F, 
That means it's legible. Readable refers to the content of what's being presented. If I am able to follow the presentation and meaning of the words that I am asked to speak out loud right now, that means that this content is readable. Thank you, Helen. Uh, That's right. Applause for the explanation. That's right. Now, readable can also mean that something is well-written or easy to understand. A young adult novella is more likely to be readable than, say, an in-depth PhD dissertation on binomial theorems, and both are more likely to be well-written and easily understood than this explanation. Helen, how did our guest do? Ed, I think you got both parts of that correct. Two yes. points for Ed. Very good. Oh, but he used his hands. I did. He did use his hands. Again, Glozell, hands are allowed. <laughs> yeah. uh, Helen, what is our score at the end of that round? At the end of that round, Ed Begley Jr. has two and a half points and Glozell has zero points. But those scores are bound to change as we move on to questions about topics our guests have chosen for themselves. That's all up ahead when we come back on Go Fact Yourself. Hi, I'm Jesse Thorne, the founder of Maximum Fun, and I have a special announcement. I'm no longer embarrassed by my brother, my brother, and me. You know, for years, each new episode of this supposed advice show was a fresh insult, a depraved jumble of erection jokes, ghost humor, and frankly, this is for the best, very little actionable advice. But now, as they enter their twilight years, I'm as surprised as anyone to admit that it's gotten kind of good. Justin, Travis, and Griffin's witticisms are more refined, like a humor column in a fancy magazine. And they hardly ever say Bazinga anymore. So, after you've completely finished listening to every single one of all of our other shows, why not join the McElroy Brothers every week for My Brother, My Brother, and Me. Welcome back to Go Fact Yourself with our guests, Ed Begley Jr. and Glozell. Once again, here's J. Keith Van Stratton. Thank you, Helen. Thanks, everybody. All right, Ed, of your many interests, you told us that you know and love electric vehicles, U.S. geography, and the movie Midnight Run. Hmm. Let's find out a little bit more about each of those. First, tell us what electric vehicles means to you. Well, I got my first electric vehicle in 1970. It was a Taylor Dunn. They still make electric cars to this day. Wow. Actually, they make electric carts with a T to this day. It's like a golf cart. Mm -hmm. It won't go on the freeway. I didn't understand the difference back in 1970. (laughs) (laughs) I picked up Cindy Williams on a date. I did not get a second date. (laughs) From the Varnish Shirley? Oh, my goodness. That was not a lady magnet? uh, No, there was a kid on the big wheel uh, passing us. A butterfly. (laughs) A butterfly went past us at some point. Yeah. Now, how do you feel that uh, it feels like the world is kind of catching up to you, that people used to make fun of you for being into electric vehicles? You were really ahead of the curve. I did. uh, Then in 1996, General Motors came out with the EV1, a great car. And sadly, they took them back after a few years and crushed them all. But that was the beginning of it with that car made by a major manufacturer. There's a tremendous charging infrastructure, too. They've, They've come a long way is the point. Excellent. And wow. you were there from the beginning. Yeah. Very, I very ride cool with and you. impressive. Can we do a road trip? Absolutely. I say yes to that. I love these two. All right, then, Ed, tell us why you know and love U.S. geography. It's from driving cross country so many times. It's related. Yeah. Needing yeah. to find those charging stations. And also, stations. it's deeply rooted, Helen, in my past. My dad, we used to go cross country either in the train or we drove. And it was a beautiful cross country experience with my dad. So I don't need a map. For most drives, I know the 10 very well, the 20, the 40, the 70, the 90, wow. and the odd numbers, of yeah. course, of the north-south. 
I know the five very well, as we all do, but then I know the 25 and the 35. <gasps> I, I can drive across America pretty good, I, and I love this beautiful country, by the way. Wow. wow. If I ever have to get away from a heist, I know who I'm hiring. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Not at 20 miles per hour in his little lady. That's true. No, 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 no. That was the 70s, Lozelle. Oh. That was yeah. the 70s. We've come a long way, baby. Yeah. All right, and then finally, Ed, tell us why you know and love the movie Midnight Run. It's a great movie. I believe it's a perfect movie with Charles Grodin and Bob De Niro and other great cast. Joey Pantaleone is in it. John Ashton, I believe, is in it. Uh, Yafit Koto, the great Yafit Koto that I've worked with, is in the movie. He's fantastic in this movie. It's a perfect comedy. Like I mean, like Bridesmaids or Anchorman or The In-Laws, which mm-hmm. I was in. These are perfect, perfect comedies. And that's one of the midnight run, I think. And it ties in with cars and, and U.S. geography. Yes, it, it does. All comes together, Fred I Begley Jr. about that. <laughs> Cross country, cars and trains. There you go. Think. All right. Well, to summarize, Ed, you told us that you know and love electric vehicles, U.S. geography, and the movie Midnight Run. Today, we're going to quiz you about... The movie Midnight Run. Fair enough. Very good. Uh, any favorite moments or scenes that come to mind when you think about the movie? There's a scene where Bob De Niro is talked into going back to revisit his daughter he's been estranged with mm-hmm. and his wife he's been estranged with for years. And Bob De Niro is forced to because he needs money, he needs to borrow some money to have mm-hmm. enough you know, travel money to get back you know, with, with this uh, person, this criminal that he's apprehended, Charles Grodin. And he goes to the home of his former wife, his ex-wife, and his daughter. Mm. There's a scene there that's just, it's beautiful. And again, I think what's so great, it's one of my favorite movies as well, and I think what's so great about that scene that you mentioned is, here's a comedy and sort of a road trip movie, and then there's this incredible family drama in the middle of it that fits beautifully. It just synthesizes together so well. And so, Big Laughs, when, yeah. when Chuck Roden says to Bob De Niro, yeah, yeah what are you going to do with the bounty money? He says, Chuck Roden says to Bob De Niro, and Bob says, I'm going to open a little diner or something, a restaurant. And he says, oh, I strongly urge you not to do yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> he's a CPA that's stolen mob yeah. money. That's a great, great scene. He's it's just, fantastic. It's wonderful, wonderful stuff. Well, just ahead, we're going to enlist the help of a bona fide expert in your topic with our expert-level question worth up to three points. But before that, to let you further show your love, here are five trivia questions about the topic, each worth one point. If you want it, you're allowed a hint for any two of these five questions. Now, Glozell, do listen closely, because if Ed answers incorrectly at any time, you can steal. By the way, Glozell, how much do you know about the movie Midnight Run? This this is the first time I've ever heard of it. Okay, well. <laughs> sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, uh, I thought it was a track movie at night. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least two people on the stage recommend it, and uh, hopefully you'll get a chance to see it as well. Yes. All right, Ed, here's question number one. Midnight Run has a rich and driving bluesy score composed by Danny Elfman. It also features Robert De Niro singing the opening line from a classic song written for and made famous by Frank Sinatra, a song that beckons the listener to join the singer on an airplane journey to places like Bombay, Peru and Acapulco Bay. What is that song? Come fly with me. Come fly, come fly away. Helen? That is correct. That is correct. An applause for the singing of an answer. Thank you for the easy question. Thank you, thank you. Uh, Fun fact, Come Fly With Me is used on the soundtrack of another Robert De Niro movie, Raging Bull. Uh, You did not need the hint in that, but uh, Helen, what would that hint have been? It's not... Go drive without me. Go drive, go drive to here. Helen Hong, everybody. Thank you, thank you, thank you. All right, here's question number two. Robert De Niro plays Jack Walsh, a bounty hunter and former cop. Charles Grodin plays Jonathan the Duke Mardukas, a man who stole $15 million from the mob while working in what occupation? He's a CPA. He's an accountant for Dennis Farina's character. 
Ellen? That is correct. Bonus material from uh, Ed Begley Jr. That's correct. Thank you so much. Fun fact, according to reports, to prepare for their roles, Robert De Niro spent days working with real bounty hunters and going on bus with real cops. Charles Grodin had a 10-minute phone call with his business manager. (laughs) You are two for two, Ed. Here's question number three. Walsh makes his way across the country via many methods, but which of the following is not one of them? Is it a 1940s Boeing biplane, a 1955 Ford pickup truck, a 1970s Bayliner speedboat, a 1980s Gulfstream 4 jet plane, or a 1986 Mercury station wagon? A 1980s Gulfstream jet. Helen? That is not correct. No, I'm oh, terribly boy. sorry. Glows so out I can the chance to steal. Yes. Okay. That would be the biplane. Helen? That is not correct. No, I'm terribly sorry. Okay, it sorry. was the speedboat. No. That is correct. correct. However, there are no points for second guesses. That's right. right. The speedboat was not I'm it. I'm moving but my you hands. Were, you, were, you are moving your hands in a very jazz handsy way, which we, of course, appreciate. The speedboat was the method that was not used. A fun fact, they also travel on a coach bus, a freight train, a passenger train, and an escalator. My wow. favorite form of transportation. <laughs> All right, no point for either this of you. It's a very see. long midnight. Yeah, wow. yeah. <laughs> it goes for a little longer than one than one midnight, but yeah, it's a lot of fun. Uh, all right, no point for either of you. Ed, let's see if you can bounce back with question number four. You do still have your hints available. The Duke tells Walsh that he can't fly because he suffers from aviophobia, as well as acrophobia and claustrophobia. In response, Walsh tells him, if you don't cooperate, you're going to suffer from... What made-up phobia? Fistophobia. Helen? That is correct. That is correct. That's fact. Wow. wow. Fistophobia. Uh, Fun fact, fear of flying is more commonly called aerophobia, A-E-R-O phobia. According to VeryWellMind.com, aerophobia is one of the more common phobias, whereas for fistophobia, none of the top 100 most common phobias begin with the letter F. Mm-hmm. Wow. Uh, okay. How about that? What, what For could, real? Yeah. What, what, what might you be afraid of that starts with F? No F phobia. No F phobia. Mm. Exactly. We can't yeah. even think of anything. Fontophobia. You don't oh, no. Yeah. Oh. Yes. <laughs> That's right. Somehow I believe that is 101 in the most common phobias. <laughs> All right, Ed, here's question number five. You still have your hints available. As great as De Niro and Grodin are, what makes Midnight Run so special, as you yourself, Ed, said, is the incredible cast of character actors in roles big and small. Many of these actors look familiar to audiences, and one of them should look extra familiar to you, Ed, because according to IMDb, you appeared in four different movies with him. His name is Tracy Walter. What role does he play in Midnight Run? Uh, Tracy Walter plays a waiter, or perhaps the owner of a diner, but he's there talking to... uh... Uh, Bob De Niro, I believe, is the scene, but he's there with a uh, an apron on, and he has a dish cloth in his hand. Tracy Walter works at a diner. Helen? That is correct. That is correct. Very nice job, Ed, with no hints in the round. You see? Fun fact, some of the other amazing character actors in the film include John Ashton, Dennis Farina, Joe Pantoliano, Philip Baker Hall, Fran Brill, and Yafet Koto. You appeared with Yafet Koto and Tracy Walter yes. in a Paul Schrader movie called Blue Collar, a wonderful movie with Richard Pryor, Yafit Kota, and Harvey Keitel written. Yeah, it's a great movie. Excellent. Very, very cool to bring that full circle with Ed. All right, now here is your expert-level question that requires multiple answers. It is time for your cluster fact. Oh. Thank you. We'll be bringing on an expert to discuss your response. 
Ed, with an iconic screenplay by George Gallo, Midnight Run is, among other things, an action movie, a comedy movie, a cop movie, a mob movie, a buddy movie, and a road movie. That road trip starts in New York and ends in Los Angeles, with many locations in between. But only a few cities where our two lead buddies converge with mobsters are specifically named in the film. According to how the U.S. Census Bureau classifies America's regions, one of those cities is in the Midwest, one is in the South, and one is in the West. For up to three points, what are those three cities? Amarillo is one. Amarillo, Texas, I believe. Okay. That's one. Let me think of what the others are. Okay. Okay. They get off the plane because he claims to have... Uh, aerophobia, which mm-hmm. he does not. Spoiler, sorry. <laughs> and then he goes to the Midwest of Chicago, mm-hmm. and then there's Las Vegas, Nevada. All right. Helen is taking note of those answers. We have an expert on hand who can tell us for sure. Helen, who do we have tonight? Joining us tonight is a prolific director, producer, and screenwriter of several iconic films, including Midnight Run. Shut up. It's George Gallo. George oh Gallo. Oh Look right God. over there. What an honor this is. That's a great movie. <laughs> Blozell taking a selfie with uh, George Ed, trying to get Ed in there. I'm here too, but it's fine. Uh, just as- I, I was listening backstage and I went, I, I don't really know all the answers. I haven't seen it in a while. So. <laughs> no, that's, very, that's very kind of you. Welcome, George. It's so wonderful to have you here. Now, Ed, of course, is a fan of your work, but I know, George, you were excited to appear tonight. You're a fan of Ed's as well. Absolutely. Not possible. No, oh, it's absolutely time. true. I've seen the in-laws maybe... 30 oh times. Oh, thank you. Thank I, could, you. I could quote the in-laws. Praise from Caesar, my friend. Oh, thank for you. Real. Wow. Excellent. Yes, and in fact, when you say gruesome, horrible deaths... Oh, my God. Uh, it's, that's oh, a, that's a statement that gets said in our house a lot. You know? Oh, that's great. <laughs> now, George, we also want to point out that as a writer and as a member of the Writers Guild, you also are on strike. We appreciate that you actually uh, asked the Guild for permission to talk about that movie I tonight. Did. So we're, we're all in the clear. Is there anything that you want to comment on about the strike uh, while we're here? Well, look, I hope it gets resolved properly, you know, certainly. Uh, it uh, it's long overdue, and uh, they should share. I mean, yeah, just looking for equity. Yeah, yeah. I agree, George. Excellent. Uh, well, I do encourage our listeners to look up some of the amazing works that uh, George has done uh, on IMDb. But you also are notable for other other work outside of show business. Uh, you have a really wonderful career as a painter. You've won awards. You've had solo shows in New York City and New Mexico. You've uh, published a couple books, and you've even taught courses on painting. Uh, I started out as a painter yeah, before I got involved in all this movie craziness. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> we'll talk about the movie craziness in a minute, but I am curious about this, uh, this career as a painter. Um, your specialty is uh, landscapes. Uh, what is it about landscapes that you find particularly appealing to paint? Uh, I just love being out in nature, and I just love playing with colors. And, you know, I've, it's like I feel as close to God as you can get when mm. you're outside and you're just in the woods or wherever you are, and, you, you know, you, you fall in love with something you're seeing and you, you try to express that joy. You know, I, I get very attracted to meandering streams, and uh, I, I, I just love being outdoors. It's like a, just an excuse to be outside. Okay, very yeah. cool. Uh, and I understand that uh, one of the actors that we spoke of in Midnight Run actually has uh, your work in his collection. Uh, yeah, a lot of actors. All, all, all my actor friends are like art thieves. They come over the house and they just, they, <laughs> uh-huh. they just leave with paintings. Yeah, De Niro, Bob De Niro is a very dear friend, uh, 
he's got a painting. Meg Ryan has a painting. They all have paintings. They just excellent. And I understand you brought one for everyone on the panel tonight. Absolutely. Uh, yes. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so, I want to come to your house and steal some. Please yeah. come by anytime. 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 <laughs> excellent. Um, well, let's talk about Midnight Run. Uh, what can you tell us about how that screenplay came to be and what the journey was to getting it uh, filmed? Well, it's a total accident how it got made. It's uh, which is. This is why I kind of believe in, uh, uh, you know, the big guy upstairs. I yeah. forgot something at a meeting, and I walked back to the meeting, and it, it was my car keys. And uh, I was walking back through the parking lot, and there was Marty Brest, who directed Midnight Run. Mm-hmm. And he walks up to me, and he goes, hey, what are you working on? I says, ah, I'm working on this bounty hunter movie. Uh, I don't have it finished. And he goes, well, can I read it? And I go, Dude, it's not finished. It's like so. He goes, oh, let me read it. Let me read it. So I gave him the pages. He went to his office and he read it. And then he comes back out like an hour later and he goes, "How does it end?" I went, "I don't, I don't know." (laughs) I know he lets him go. That's all I know. He's got to let him go. And he went, "I want to do this." And I went, "You're kidding." (laughs) So then I wrote the second half. And And, uh, I read that uh, you were worried about it being too big. Sometimes that uh, there was there were so many big moments, but uh, but that Martin Brass encouraged you to to keep going in that regard. Yeah, yeah, that's actually true. You know, now I've directed like you know what, 14, 15 movies. And before you direct a movie, you look at writing much differently than after having directed mm-hmm. a movie. So like when you're writing and you've never directed, you'll write, we're in the tundra. <laughs> <laughs> it's 40 below zero. Yeah. <laughs> there are 10,000 extras. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and you write those things and then you go like, no, 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 no. I ain't going to Alaska. <laughs> I'm like, no. So, so uh, and I'm not freezing and I'm not writing night and rain. You know, it's a beautiful day and, in, in the Caribbean. Uh, uh, so, no, I just, I wrote this ridiculous movie, you know, without ever thinking about that people would have to actually travel from New York to Los Angeles and these endless chases of people know the movie and, you know, they literally, are, you know, in rivers fighting and then they're on jumping on freight trains and then they're, you know, I just didn't take any of that into consideration. I just, <laughs> I just wrote it. That was the movie you wanted to see and that they the made. One. Now it's considered a classic. Yeah. Which is, you know, uh, well, tell that. us about, we, we talked about some of the incredible actors in it. Uh, what can you tell us about the casting, how it ended up being Robert De Niro and Charles Grodin and, and maybe some of the other wonderful actors that are in it? Oh, with Bob, you know, uh, I, I certainly, because he'd never done a comedy, I never thought of him Mm-hmm. in the part I didn't know who I thought of I kind of based it a little bit on my father to be honest oh. my, my father was this very gruff uh, guy like De Niro and the Grodin character I based on my mom who oh, was wow. this highly intellectual type mm. and my father and mother would get into these arguments and it, like, and my mother knew exactly what button <laughs> <laughs> and my dad and he'd go off and I'd do well I'll just write a male and instead of male and female I'll just make it these two guys with those traits mm-hmm. I remember I was with Marty Bress, who literally I thought was going to punch me. I, this is not an exaggeration. <laughs> There's Robert De Niro, and I went, hi, how are you? Nice to meet you. I went, why do you want to do this? You know, I, 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 I couldn't help myself, you know? Yeah. And Marty was like, are you effing kidding? You know, like, yeah, you're trying to convince him to, <laughs> to walk. <laughs> yeah. uh, well, uh, you got to be on set every day. What are yes. some of the favorite moments that come to mind when you think about the, the shooting of the film? My dad came to visit. And I come from a very working class family, no, no, no movie connections. And, you know, my chances of making it in Hollywood were like zip, you know. And my dad flew out to Vegas because he wanted, he'd never been on a m- movie set before. And uh, 
my Robert De Niro was so nice to my dad. Mm. He took him out for a whole night. <gasps> and I remember, yeah, I, I get choked up because my dad's no longer with us. And I remember walking down the hall in the morning. And my father's, he's in his 80s. At the, he's sprinting down the hall. <laughs> and I go, Dad, what's up? He goes, I was out all night with Bobby De Niro. You know, <laughs> and I was, yeah, so they, I guess they went to some strip club or something. <laughs> you know, and I, I would be just, disappointed if they didn't, I'll be honest. Yeah, and I was just ecstatic. He, he was like a kid about it, you know, so. Very that, cool. That was a wow. great moment. And then last thing about it is uh, you actually yourself have a line in the movie that I some do. people might not realize. I do. I have the second to the last line of the movie. When De Niro goes up to the cab and says, cab uh, you got change of a thousand, I go, what are you, a comedian? Get out of here, you <laughs> <laughs> That was it, and he recreated it tonight. Uh, well, let's get to the reason we brought you here as far as our game is concerned. You heard the question that we asked of Ed. Yes. Uh, we wanted to know what were the three named cities where the lead buddies converged with mobsters, one being in the Midwest, one in the South, and one in the West. Helen, what was the first answer that Ed gave? Ed said Amarillo. That's and? correct. That is correct for the point. Very good. One. I'm we, sorry. I remember that. That's right. We thought that was going to be the trickiest one, and that was the first one you came up with. Very nice. What was the second answer that Ed gave, Helen? Ed said Chicago. That's and? correct. That is correct as well and then finally Helen what was the third answer that he gave Ed said Las Vegas and that is correct a perfect score in the cluster fact for Ed very nice Ed while we have our expert here anything you'd like to say or ask of him how did you get it so damn perfect that it's flawless from beginning to end it's just there's not a dishonest moment in it it's just beautiful I wished I knew I I would have done it again and again Beautiful. Thank you so much, George. Thank you. No, I mean, uh, like I told you, I know the in-laws by heart. I know your movie by heart. Yes, you've shown that tonight. I could do a bit of the in-laws if you want to hear it. (laughs) (laughs) I think think we'll have that for our bonus content on a future episode. Uh, George, what can you tell us about uh, what you're up to now and where people can find your work? I mean, look, I have a movie that I finished a long time ago that's supposed to come out. Uh, it's very funny, called The Comeback Trail with Robert De Niro, Tommy Lee Jones, Morgan Freeman... I've done four movies at Morgan now. Um, it's very funny. And Excellent. Yeah, you know, and it's basically about uh, De Niro. Is, he's a movie producer who can't make a hit movie, so he decides he can make more money by heavily insuring his actor and killing him. <laughs> wow. <laughs> it's very funny. And Tommy Lee Jones plays the actor, and they, they can't kill him. They keep trying. <laughs> wow. Yet another reason we need to settle this strike. We yes. need to see this movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you so much for honoring us with your presence tonight. Thank George you so Gall, much. everybody. Thank you. Helen, what is our score at the end of that round? At the end of that round, Ed Begley Jr. has nine and a half points and Glozell has zero points <laughs> with a round of questions for Glozell coming up. That's right. We're going to talk with Glozell about a topic she knows about. Plus later, Ed and Glozell will go head to head in our Fast Facts round, all to find a winner on Go Factors. <laughs> The Legend of Zelda, Tears of the Kingdom. Diablo 4. Final Fantasy 16. Street Fighter 6. Baldur's Gate 3. Starfield. Spider-Man 2. Master Detective Archives Raincoat for Nintendo Switch? No, is that just me? (laughs) (laughs) It's a huge time for video games. You need somebody to tell you what's good, what's not so good, and what's amazing. I'm Jason Schreier. I'm Maddie Myers. And I'm Kirk Hamilton. We're the hosts of Triple Click a video game podcast for anyone who likes games. Find us at MaximumFun.org or wherever you get your podcasts. Bye.
Welcome back to Go Fact Yourself with our guests, Ed Begley Jr. and Glozell. Once again, here's J. Keith Van Stratton. Thank you, Helen. Thank you, everybody. All right, Glozell, of your many interests, you told us that you know and love the TV show The Love Boat, the Alanis Morissette album Jagged Little Pill, and Looking for a Cowboy. Yes. Let's find out a little bit more about each of those. First, tell us why you know and love the TV show The Love Boat. Okay. I love the the TV show The Love Boat because it was something that families could watch Mm -hmm. together back in the day. Now, family friendly is a little different than what it was back then. Yeah. And it was it came on every week. And somehow these people were strangers and they just found love like in the weekend. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was like, what is out there in that water? You know? <laughs> I've been going on cruises all the time. I'm like, it's not like that. Yeah, you think it gave unrealistic expectations? Yes. I mean, I'm like, the hospitals find love before I get off here. Oh, before I get off there. You know, so I, I enjoyed that show very much. Yeah, and by the way, Ed, you're a little familiar with the love boat yourself. Yes. I did an episode with Mary Crosby. Yeah, how about that? She was a mermaid in the episode. <laughs> of course she was. Of course. Uh, did you did you find love before the boat pulled in? With the fish. I definitely fell in love with the fish woman. Yeah. Yes, 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 yes. Excellent. All right, next goes out. Tell us what the Alanis Morissette album Jagged Little Pill means to you. Okay. I was like in college. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and like this guy, you know, like was I was like into him mm-hmm. and he like was not into me. Yeah. And I was like, and she came out and I'm like, I was feeling mm. every song. I'm like, you, 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 oh, no, no. Mm-hmm. It was like, you, you're crying. And I'm like, yeah. You know, like a jagged little pill just going on your throat. <laughs> I had to see him all the time at college. So, yes. See, I get mad just thinking about that. <laughs> just wow. get, it just takes me right there. That's what good art does, it yeah. brings you back. Yes. All right, very good. And then finally, tell us what looking for a cowboy means to you. Okay, so I am looking for a cowboy, okay? Oh, so this isn't like a book called Looking for a no, Cowboy. No, there's no book no. called Looking for a Cowboy. No, you're, you're literally know. looking for a cowboy. I'm literally looking for a cowboy because I'm like, okay, in Hollywood, okay, I'm like nobody that's in the industry, but you don't have to be Holly, you know, a cowboy all the time. Mm-hmm. Like he might have the spurs, you know, in the closet. You know, I, I like, know some... and know how to ride a horse. I'm just trying to save a horse <laughs> by riding I'm... a cowboy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, when hard. you say you're looking, do you mean to uh, to become a romantic partner? Yeah. Okay, just clarifying. Saying, yeah. yeah, that's what that's what I want, and I want right. him to you know move me into his ranch house, and we have little horses. <laughs> Got yes. it. Not like pigs and, and cows and stuff. Like not a farmer. Not a farmer. No, uh, a cowboy. A cowboy with Got it. Yeah. Yeah. I do have some people that ride fence and. Uh, uh, Cowpoke kind of people. I, I, I'm going to try to arrange something. Whoa. The most interesting man in the world. That's Begley Jr. Wow. Be one lucky cowpoke. That's what I'm going to tell <laughs> yeah, you that I right should now. say. To summarize, Glazelle, you said you know a lot about the TV show The Love Boat, the Alanis Morissette album Jagged Little Pill, and Looking for a Cowboy. Today we want to quiz you about Jagged Little Pill. Okay. We're taking you back. We okay. are taking you back. I hope it's not mm. painful for you. Like Maybe it'll be a catharsis oh, today. I- Want you to know? <laughs> okay. Uh, well, that that may answer my next question. Uh, do you have a favorite song or favorite line? Yeah, uh, all of them. It's just just poetic. Yeah, I want you to know I'm happy for you, but she really isn't. Interesting. No. Oh no, she really isn't. That yeah. is ironic. And, uh, I believe. But it yeah. is. And I love how she's like, "Okay, do you feel that? I know you feel me. You know when you're touching her, you feel me. Yeah, I, I, mm. I'm feeling something. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. All right. Well, just ahead, we're going to enlist the help of a bona fide expert in your topic with our question. Worth up to three points. But before that, to let you further show your love, here. Are 
five trivia questions about the topic, each worth one point. If you want it, you're allowed to hint for any two of these five questions. Okay. Now, Ed, do listen closely because if Glozell answers incorrectly, you can steal. By the way, Ed, how much do you know about the Alanis Morissette album, Jagged Little Pill? Not as much as I should. I know Alanis Morissette a bit, and I should know more about that wonderful album. I've heard it, love it, but I'm... I haven't heard it for a while. I want to refresh my memory when I get home, and I will. Mm. Excellent. I think Lozelle might help refresh your memory as well. Yeah, I can sing it to you on the way home. (laughs) 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 All right, here's question number one. Lozelle, with worldwide sales of over 25 million copies, Jagged Little Pill is the most successful release in the history of its record label. What label is it whose first two letters are the same as its co-founder, Madonna? I don't get any hints. If you want a hint for that, you can. I, but, I'm but, not, I mean, Helen, how about that first hint? It rhymes with blaverick. Maverick. Helen? That is correct. That is correct. Oh. <laughs> Perhaps the most successful use of the hint we've had. Uh, sorry, we didn't mean to make that one so tricky. Fun fact, it's no accident that those first two letters are M-A. Maverick Entertainment was named for three of its co-founders, Madonna, Veronica Dashev, and Frederick Deman, Madonna, Veronica, Frederick, Maverick. Oh. That's how it all came oh. together. Yeah, Maverick. See? I know all right, here's question. I ought to know. You... <laughs> here's question number two. Your topic, of course, is Jagged Little Pill. And so some listeners will presume that we're going to ask you about the title track. But there is no Alanis Morissette song called Jagged Little Pill. What educational hit song on the album contains the phrase Jagged Little Pill? You live, you learn. You What's that song called? It's educational. The educational title. It's you've, something you've, you've said it. You've already said it. I've already said it. So mm-hmm. why don't you just go? Because with that? you. <laughs> because you also said a hundred thousand other things. We need to narrow it down a little bit. You live, live you learn. Helen, that is correct. That is correct. We did it. Oh. We got there. <laughs> Fun fact, You Learn was sung on the TV show Glee as a mashup with Carol King's You've Got a Friend. A featured singer in that song was Jenna Ushkowitz, who appeared on episode 130 of Go Fact Yourself. All right, here's question number three. (sighs) The lyrics to the album's second single, Hand in My Pocket, lists an awful lot of emotions, but which one of the following emotional adjectives does not appear? Is it broke, grateful, kind, tired, or sorry, uh, okay, I'm going to go with, give me the list. Broke, grateful, kind. I'm going to go with grateful. Sorry. Helen? That is correct. That is correct. <laughs> I hope you know it. we're all rooting you for you. It. You really are all pulling for you. I hope you know that. I hope you know that. Uh, very nice job. Fun fact, Hand in My Pocket was the original choice to be the theme song for the TV show Dawson's Creek. Oh. And was used as such in the series' unaired pilot episode. Very nice job. Here's question number four. You do still have a hint available. Keep in mind, there is a question number five uh, after this, though. Another enormous hit from the album is You Ought to Know. And you ought to know what two members of a famous Los Angeles-based band played guitar and bass on the track. What band? This better be a good hint. (laughs) I think it's pretty good, Helen. Mm -hmm. What do you think? Mm -hmm. Helen agrees. Do you want to ask for the hint? Uh, Do you think it's a good hint? You think it's a good hint? Move your hands. I think <laughs> I'm trying to think of LA bands. The Go Go's come to mind. Red Hot Chili Peppers. Is it a female influence like Go Go's, or is it Red Hot? Is it the Bangles? Right. Is the beautiful, you know, 
Susanna Hoffs, the Bangles. Right. Also a great novelist, by the way. Sure, yeah. No, interesting that so, Ed is now uh, trying I'm to help like, you uh, like, figure oh. out the question. Uh, would you like the hint or would you like to say one of Ed's? I, I, I would Zoldos like, I would take... Or Red would, Hot Chili Peppers. I would take the hint. Helen, how about that second hint? It's not the blue, cold, warm salts. The Ray Hot Chili Peppers. Helen? That is correct. That is correct! <laughs> Yeah, how do you like that? Where did I pull that out? Look, I don't it was, know. It was like the second thing you wow. said. I was yeah. If it had been the Go-Go's, that would have been something. Very nice Thank use of you. the hint again, and very nice use of Ed. Yeah. Um, I have used you. Use me. Yeah, I've used Yeah. Fun fact, the guitarist was Dave Navarro, who was in the Red Hot Chili Peppers from 1993 to 1998. The bassist was Flea. They created <gasps> mm-hmm. their parts on You Ought to Know based only on a recording of Alanis Morissette's vocals. They put that together and made it a big oh hit goodness. song. Okay. All right, here's question number five. You do not have a hint available. Let's Are you see how sure? You can do. I'm, Helen, let's check the math. Yes. Thank you, Helen. <laughs> By checking the math, we both have counted to two. Yes. Okay, just double right. check. All right, here's question number five. Let's see how you do. On the 10th anniversary of the album, an acoustic version was released mm-hmm. called, appropriately, Jagged Little Pill Acoustic. Mm-hmm. For the first month or so of the album's release, you could only purchase the album at the stores of what company? Oh, goodness. And I don't get a hint. No hints left. I'm sorry. Um, was there like a bullseye? Uh, we can't tell you that. Eh? I was going to do this. I was going to do this. Yeah. That's just a guess. But it could be also. It could be the. Could be the other one. It could be the other one. Mm. Those are the only two stores. So uh, <laughs> it's going to be. It's going to be Is a heck of a coin flip. one of those two stores? I can't tell you, but. Glozell? Okay. Glozell? Yes. I can't tell you, but. <laughs> so it's not one of those no no close L. okay close L. I can't tell you but <laughs> he's thirsty all right there's was one like you could find at the sea and the other one is like in your pocket yeah I think so yeah close out what's your answer okay so it like is it usually like green <laughs> Close out. What's your answer? Okay. Like, can you find them at the the, the stores? Sometimes, like the... yeah. Okay. All right. All right. Okay. Do they also have? Oh my God. Cold... Okay. I'm gonna go with what is Starbucks? Yeah. Yeah. That is correct. That is correct. Very nice. And done with the Jeopardy flair. And, and phrased in the form of a question, which was beautiful. Beautiful. I'm sorry. We I do have, we do have a policy of deducting like, points though when someone phrases as a question. No, no. I'm totally kidding. Very nice job. That's right. It was Very at nice. Starbucks. And without the hint, how did she do that, Helen? <laughs> so impressive. She knows her Alanis Morissette. Fun fact, Starbucks sold tens of thousands of copies of the album in their exclusive window, but that arrangement prevented the album from being included on the Billboard 200 charts until its wider release, where it peaked at number 50. All right, Glozell, you did quite well in that round, but Ooh. now here is your expert-level question that requires multiple answers. It is time for your cluster fact. We'll be bringing on an expert to discuss your response. Glozell, one of the key architects of Jagged Little Pill's success is Glenn Ballard, who not only produced the album, but collaborated with Alanis Morissette in writing all of its songs. Mm. For their efforts, that pair was awarded trophies in three categories at the 1996 Grammy Awards ceremony and won more trophy 15 years later at the 2021 Grammy Awards. For up to three points... Give us any two of the three Grammy Award categories for which Alanis and Glenn won in 1996 and tell us what category they won for in 2021. Obviously, um, 
Best writing. Liquor, lyrics. Best lyric writing. Yes. Okay. Okay. And um, Ed had a couple suggestions you might want to listen in on. Say that louder, Ed. <laughs> <laughs> Best album. Best song. Best album. And how about mm, best song? Best album, best song. Yeah. Okay. And then what was the one they won for in 2021? In 2021, they won for later. 15 years later. So it's not the best song. Best Something song. happened with the album in 2021 that was different than before. Oh, best uh, acoustic. Best acoustic. Okay. Best acoustic album. All right. At Hel- Starbucks. All right. Yes. <laughs> Which we all knew. All right. Helen is taking note of those answers. We have an expert on hand who can tell us for sure. Helen, who do we have tonight? Joining us tonight is an award-winning songwriter and producer whose six Grammy Awards include several for his work on Jagged Little Pill. Shut up! It's Glenn Ballard. Glenn Ballard, everybody! Glenn and Glozell embracing as if one of them is the President of the United States. Ed and Glenn saying hello. Glozell taking a selfie with uh, Glenn. Hello, Glenn. Welcome. Thank you for having me. Oh, my gosh. It's such an incredible honor. How do you honor. get these people? I don't know how you do this. this I'm is... as surprised as you are. Believe me. This is incredible. You look I'm like impressed. a regular guy, but you got a superhero. I'm impressed. I Glenn, in addition to Jagged Little Pill, which we'll talk about in a while, uh, you have co-written and arranged songs like Man in the Mirror for Michael Jackson. What? Hold On for Wilson Phillips. You've written for Christina mm. Aguilera, Dave Matthews, George Strait, Josh Groban, Quincy Jones, Aretha Franklin, Barbara Streisand, Aerosmith, Van Halen, Shaka Khan, mm. Katy Perry, Ringo Starr, Ed's good friend, George Benson, and Shakira, among many, many wow. others. Oh my God. And in addition to those six Grammy Awards, you are an Oscar nominee, an Olivier Award winner, and as of this year, a member of the Songwriter Hall of Fame. Woo! Deservedly. Don't believe... Don't believe a word you're saying. No, really. I got it directly from your, from your publicist. No, it's all true. Uh, no, it's incredible. It is, in fact, true. I can confirm it. Excellent. We're glad, to, we're glad for that. Um, tell us, uh, this Songwriter Hall of Fame induction just happened uh, this summer. Tell us what that meant to you and, and what that was like. It means that the last 50 years of my life haven't been wasted. <laughs> what a relief. It's a validation to keep going. I, you know, it's, it's an encouragement for me to, to actually get better at what I'm doing. So I'm mm. grateful, wow. of course. Wow. Well, that, that very, it's very humble as an artist with all the accomplishments that you still, you still believe there's room for you to get better. You know, you're either composing or you're decomposing. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. Your class of the Songwriter Hall of Fame induction uh, included folks like Snoop Dogg, Gloria Estefan, and Jeff Lynne. Uh, what was that after party like? <laughs> they don't remember if it was good. <laughs> My lips are sealed. Okay. No, no I mean, it was, of course, it, it, you know, it was just to hang out with you know, some of the people I admire the most mm. and, to, and to sort of be in this very exclusive club, the Hall of Fame club. Uh, it was somewhat surreal, and I haven't quite processed it, and I probably never will. So, uh, but, of course, they can't take it away from me now, so there yes. it is. <laughs> yes, very right. good. And I, I'm glad, because I think if you have processed it, you might not have agreed to be here tonight. So we're, we'll, take what, we'll take what we can get. Uh-huh. The Olivia Award was for a show, uh, of course, that opened in London and that just opened on Broadway. Tell us about that show. The show is called Back to the Future, the musical. It's running uh, at the Adelphi Theater in London now, 875 performances, entering our third year. We opened on Broadway on June 30th, and we've sold out every night. Wow. We're opening in Tokyo next year. Hamburg, Germany, Sydney. So it's it's going worldwide. So 
I encourage anyone, if you're not in New York or London, at some point soon, you'll be able to see Jack, uh, Back to the Future, the musical. Wow. Very cool. Can yes. you get me tickets? I need two. You, I'll get you tickets anywhere you want. Uh -huh. Best seats in the house. Oh, look at that. And, and, you know, I, I, I hear you over here singing. You got a good voice. Uh, you, uh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> you do. <laughs> Well, Don't give up on the cowboy, maybe career. we can get you an audition at least. Something, yeah. get, I get a something. Uh, well, from, uh, I'm, I'm very eager to see Back to the Future Mexican to be in, in uh, London next month. I'm hoping to catch it there. And uh, one of the things that I read about it that interests me is that uh, it has a lot of the songs that people are familiar with from the movie, plus integrating your own original material. What was that process like to be inspired and, and have to bring your own material into stuff that already existed? The movie itself is, is sufficient inspiration to get sure. going. And, of course, we had Huey Lewis's great songs uh, back in time and the power of love uh, mm. but then we had to basically write the rest of it right <laughs> we had to write another 15 songs to, to tell the story and it was just an act of, of love and joy because we already knew the characters and it was just a, a really a way of deepening who they were. Uh, well, speaking of musical theater, there also is a musical that is touring the country now called Jagged Jack Little Pill. Yeah. Phil. Tell us about uh, what that was like to have that musical on Broadway and uh, what's it like to have it tour the country now? It's got every single song from Jagged Little Pill plus some extras, but it's this genius writer, Diablo Cody, took the album listened to it, and about six months later came back with a completely different story. Mm. She repurposed every song. It has nothing to do with Alanis's life, my life. Mm -hmm. We wrote the songs first, and then she fashioned this great libretto around it, and then a, a great director named Diane Paulus got involved. Yeah. And Sidi Larby Cherkawi, my favorite choreographer, got involved, and suddenly it became kind of a transcendent piece. So I couldn't be more proud of it. I'm as yeah. proud of that as I am of the album, believe me. Mm. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah. Uh, well, let's talk about that album. How did you first get involved in Jagged Little Pill, the album? I got involved through my publisher. It was then called MCA Music. It's now Universal, but she was also signed to MCA on a publishing deal in Canada. She had made a couple records when she was 15 and 17. They dropped her from the label after the second one wasn't successful, but... They kept her publishing contract, so they just sent her to L.A. to write with people, and we were just stra strangers on a train. I got a call from the publishers. There's a woman in town named Alanis. <laughs> Will you write a song with her? And it was, I always say yes, and so, you know, because why wouldn't I? I'm going to learn something from every single person I collaborate with. Otherwise, I'm just sitting there doing it by myself. So yeah. their DNA is always valuable. As it turned out, her DNA was super valuable. Yeah. <laughs> uh, was there a moment when you realized, oh, I'm really clicking with this person. We're really collaborating. Yeah, from the well. very first, first 10 minutes, you know. Mm -hmm. I mean, when she met me, she didn't know who the hell I was. I had never heard a song of hers. We didn't know each other. We were just strangers on a train. We didn't have a record company. We had no agenda, and that was the freedom of it. We mm -hmm. just, so let's just write a song that we want to write. And so because we didn't have any adult supervision, we kind of got away <laughs> with it. That's cool. Well, this, the, the album is known for having what a lot of people, I think, kind of minimize by calling angry songs. Um, but either way, uh, it was a very fun process, though, even though the songs maybe come across with some, with some uh, passion. I mean, I think this one song, you ought to know that it, that it is suffused with certain kind of anger. Mm -hmm. But it's really more, uh, I think, when we did the, the acoustic version of that, there's really more like disappointment and regret in it mm -hmm. uh, that, that someone could be that way, you right. know, so... It was a flash of anger in that, but so much of the of the rest of the record is 
a broad range of emotions. I mean, mm-hmm. it's like a, a book of short stories, you know. Mm-hmm. And what, mm-hmm. There's an angry song. Yeah. There's plaintive songs. There are inspirational songs, you know. I d- certainly don't think it's an angry record at all. That's interesting to hear. Um, are there songs that you recall as being particularly difficult or particularly easy to write? Now, we wrote... Every song we wrote in one sitting, one day, what? We, we, we got together 20 times in 1994 and 95, and we wrote 20 songs. It, I played everything. She sang the demo that night, and literally, we only spent one day on every song. <gasps> no kidding. And then we, added, you know, we added the Chili Peppers. We added yeah. Ben Montench playing organ, a couple of other things, but really, it was just the demos. One day demos. That is crazy. And that's, that's the actual truth. Very cool. Uh, well, to put into context of how big of a hit it was, I was doing a little research. It spent 127 weeks. That's over three years almost on the Billboard 200, including at number one for 12 weeks, which is wow. three months. Um, w- when did you realize that something was happening special as far as the, the reception it was getting? Well, honestly, about a month into it, we the, her first tour was like a club tour. Like It was like a month the record had come out for two weeks. We went to Chicago, and then we drove up to Milwaukee, and we were working a little club in Milwaukee, and literally there were about 500 people wrapped around the block, mm-hmm. couldn't get in. It was like, must be something happening here. Very cool. Wow. So you got to see, you got to feel it kind of on the ground Yeah, there. right from then. I mean, her first gig was at the Dragonfly in L.A. on Santa Monica Boulevard, and there were like 50 people there. And then two years later, we were doing, you know, stadiums. So it was, mm. wow. What a journey. Last thing I want to ask you about, um, a lot of comedians have had a field day with the song Ironic. Yes. Uh, <laughs> pointing out that some things don't technically qualify as irony. I think it's great that in the Broadway musical, uh, they actually, there's some character who, who kind of calls that out. Uh, wh- what's your feeling about that? About uh, Oh, I love every single minute of it, you know, because I actually have a degree in English, and I know all the terms, and I know that we were, we were fudging irony a little bit here and there. There is yeah. one exact example of irony, you know, when the plane touched down, he thought, isn't this nice? Mm-hmm. Well, that's a, a truly ironic statement because yes. he's saying it, it means the opposite of what right. he's saying. But the whole idea is life has a funny way of helping you out when you think everything's going wrong. Right. You know, it's, so when you think it's this, it's really not. It's this. It's the other thing. And that's the point of the song. Yeah, exactly. So we probably got more attention on that particular debate than anything. So I welcome it. Let's debate irony. Let's talk about all these literary terms. <laughs> it's, it's right in my wheelhouse. Come on. <laughs> Excellent. I'm, I'm always game for talking about alliteration. Um, all right. Well, let's get to the reason that we brought you here as far as our game is concerned. You heard the question that we asked of Glozell. We wanted to know first, uh, what were two of the three Grammy Award categories for which Alanis and someone named uh, Glenn Ballard won uh, won Grammy Awards in 1996. Helen, what was the first answer that Glozell gave? Well, Glozell originally said lyrics, but she also said album. And uh, Glenn? Album, yes. Yes, album of the year. That is a point it for It was Glozell. album of the year. Uh, next, we wanted to know what was another one of those awards. Helen, what did Glozell say? Glozell said song. And Glenn? That's correct. That's best, correct. Best rock song. Best rock song. I came song. up with it all by myself. Very, yes, very good. Uh, the other one that year was best rock album. Uh, then we wanted to know what was the award 15 years later that Alanis and Glenn won in 2021. Helen, what did Glozell say? Glozell said acoustic. And Glenn? That's incorrect. It's the Jagged Little Pill, the musical 
soundtrack. That's right. You won oh. Best Cast Album, I guess, on that. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. And uh, well-deserved, of course, as yes. well. Um, Glozel, while we have Glenn Ballard here, anything else you'd like to ask or say to him? Uh, I mean, first of all, you, you've worked with everybody because Michael Jackson, I'm like, oh, oh, but since we're talking about Jack Little Pill, can you tell us who was she singing about? <laughs> <laughs> Because I, I want to beat him up myself. Because <laughs> people think it's the guy from like the show, the, the, the family show. We, it, we never talked about that. We, there, were, there was nobody that came up in the conversation. We were just writing a song. But you know by now. I do, I, I, I do not. You, you, you I, 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 I just don't know. We made I it really a duet. Don't. There were no, n- no names, you know, no, no people were harmed in the making of this record. <laughs> so you don't know, you never did know. I'm, I'm guessing really, you don't want to know. That's the honest truth. I yeah. don't. I have no idea. Very cool. And did you want to say something as well? It's just great to see you again. I've seen you a few times over the years. I'm a big fan. Dave Stewart and I. Oh, that's our mutual friend. I mean, I love Dave so much. Dave the most interesting man in the world. Yes, <laughs> exactly. Dave, Junior. This is the Dave. most interesting man in the world oh, right here. Six uh, degrees away from you. I think it's. I think it's fewer. Uh, Glenn, it's so wonderful that you joined us today. If people want to find out more about you and what you're up to, where can they do that? Uh, they can go to the Augury website, a u g u r y dot com. Or GlennBallard.com. And uh, we have about 10 projects happening now. We have musical theater. We have movies. We have a TV series. Uh, my series, The Eddie, is available on Netflix. It's about a jazz band living in Paris. We have an eight-episode version of that. And so if you speak French, half of it's in French, but please <laughs> check it out on Netflix. And, uh, you know, we're developing a lot of good stuff, so Very cool. Stay and, of tuned. course, people can check out Jagged Little Pill on tour by going Absolutely. to that website and Back to the Future uh, in London, New York, and Where all over the world. Where do I get my tickets, though? Where do I you, get my tickets? We will we'll speak later. Oh, things are happening. We love it. Thank you so much for joining us. Glenn Ballard, everybody. Woo! What a treat. All right, Helen, what is our score as we head into the final round? At the end of that round, Ed Begley Jr. has nine and a half points and Glozell has seven points. Oh, very I feel like I'm winning. This has been amazing. Oh, I'm doing a lot of podcasts. That. I was like, okay, I'll do your little podcast. But oh my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> I am floored. I am floored. I am amazed. Well, thank no. you so much. That's, pretty, that's very kind. Thank you. I'm thankful. I said yes. I'm so happy that both of you did. All right, now it is time for our final round we call Fast Facts. I'll read 10 statements, and each contestant will answer with true or false. I'll start with Ed and alternate between each guest. Each correct answer is worth one point. Again, please answer each statement with true or false. Here we begin. Ed, there are minor league baseball teams in Kentucky. True. Correct. Glozell, a minor league baseball team in Kentucky is called the Lexington Losers. False. Correct. Ed, the team is actually called the Lexington Counterclocks. True. Correct. Glozell, the Counterclocks run the bases counterclockwise. True. Correct. Yeah, every baseball team does. Ed, the <laughs> Ed, the Counterclocks have a mascot. True. Correct. Glozell, the Counterclocks have two mascots. True. Correct. Ed, one of their mascots is a clock. True. Correct. Glozell, the other mascot is a counter. False. Correct. It's a horse. Ed, the counter clocks offer a promotion called Thirsty Thursday. True. Correct. Glozell, they also have a promotion called White Claw Wednesday. False. Incorrect. No, they really do. Ed, they also have a promotion called Margarita Monday. True. Incorrect. Glozell, they also have a promotion called Schlitz Beer Sunday. Sure. True. 
Incorrect. Ed, but for me, every Sunday is Schlitz Beer Sunday. Schlitz Beer. False. Sure. Correct. Yes, thank Correct. you so much. All right. We're not going to count those last few. Let's give Gozell and Ed Beckley Jr. a nice hand as Helen tablets the final score. By the way, the Lexington Counter Clocks started with that name this year. It was inspired by the tradition of Kentucky horse racing, where the horses run counterclockwise, just like baseball players. Helen, are you ready to announce a winner on today's program? I am. At the end of the game, Ed Begley Jr. has 14 and a half points, and Glozell has 11 points. Congratulations, Ed Begley Jr. You are the facting champion on Go Fact Yourself. Oh, a friendly kiss on the cheek from Ed Begley Jr. I love this woman. Ed, what will you do with your championship? I'm taking on the road. I'm going to write a musical about she and I meeting for the first time. Yeah. And it happened here tonight. Yes. All right. We want to give everyone here on the panel a chance to mention or promote anything they might have upcoming. Ed, where can people find you and what you're up to? EdBegley.com. I've got a new book coming out called the T- To the Temple of Tranquility and Step on It. <laughs> Excellent. I recommend checking it out. And we're so happy that you stopped by the most interesting man in the world yes. and the friendliest as well, Ed Begley Jr. Thank you. Thank you for being with us. Glozell, what a pleasure to meet you. Where can people find you and what you're up to? Uh, You can find me on all social media, Glozell, but now I'm definitely on Twitch, and I'm doing a a tour, a gaming tour, so you can follow me on Twitch. Yay! Yay, indeed, Glozell! GRV, yes. Can I say one last thing to Glozell? Put the saddle on the stove, mother. I'm riding the range tonight. Woo! All right! Okay. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm gonna do that. Ladies and gentlemen, you are so lucky because my hosting partner is the funny, the Helen, the Hong, Helen Hong. Yay! Thank you. If you are in Springfield, Massachusetts, I am coming to you to perform stand-up September 29th and 30th. I'll be at the Roar Comedy Club at the MGM in Springfield, Massachusetts. Otherwise, follow me on the socials at Funny Helen Hong. Because that other Helen Hong, she's not not funny, funny but this one is Helen Hong, everyone. And me, you can follow me on X ugh, at J underscore Keith on Instagram and threads ugh, at jkeith.net, all spelled out. That just leads me to thank Ed Begley Jr., Glozell, George Gallo, Glenn Ballard, everyone wow. here at the Center for Inquiry. And thank you for listening and supporting our show at MaximumFun.org. I'm J. Keith Van Stratton. Good night. Like what you hear, come see us live. It's happening again. Go to GoFactorPod.com for our schedule and tickets. Meanwhile, like us on Facebook. Follow us on X and Instagram, all at GoFactorPod. Update our wiki at GoFactorWiki.Fandom.com. And buy our T-shaped shirt and mug-shaped mug at MaxFunStore.com. And give us a great review on your favorite podcast platform, like Evenus Regalis did on Apple Podcasts. He, she, or they said, this podcast is grand. I wish it would come out every week. Thanks, Evanus Regalis. Your name is a type of butterfly. Helen? <laughs> Go Fact Yourself is a panel quiz program devised and produced by Jim Newman and J. Keith Van Stratton and comes to you via transcription from the Carl Sagan and Andrian Theater at the Center for Inquiry West in Los Angeles. Questions were compiled by the Trivia Industrial Complex. We are produced in collaboration with Maximum Fun. Maximum Fun senior producer is Laura Swisher. Associate producer and editor is Julian Burrell. Our show engineer, a.k.a. Soundmaster, is Dave McKeever. Our theme song and incidental music were 
written and performed by Jonathan Green. Research assistance provided by Adam Needif and Clint Tauscher. Quiz assistance provided by Spencer Marks and McAllen Howe. Promotional graphics by Eric Tran. Live show photography by Christine Velada. Live show support from Dave Bianchi. Special thanks to Anthony Turk at Turk Entertainment PR. Julie Anderson at Blue Fly Consulting. Jeff Sanderson at Chasen & Company. Kevin Marks at the law firm of Gang, Tire, Raymer, Brown & Passman. Alice Pine at the Center for Inquiry. Mark Johnson and Shelley Herman. I've been Helen Hong. Let's go watch Midnight Run. And listen to Jagged Little Pill. Perfect evening together. Maximum Fun. A worker-owned network of artist-owned shows supported directly by you.